Hi, I'm Josh, and welcome to the Wild Nature Photography Podcast, the podcast that talks the art and craft of nature photography. It is the 30th of June, 2022, and this is podcast number 46. 30th of June, it's the end of financial year, which means it's time to go out and buy new lenses, new toys, and anything photographic, if you can. I actually just picked up a new lens yesterday. I picked up the Canon RF 85mm f1.2. This is a lens that I used to own uh, in EF. I actually owned Model 1 and Model 2 of it and ended up selling both of them and getting the 85 1.4. The original EF 1.2 was just far too slow to focus and Mark II was no better. But this new RF version is very, very fast to focus. And I just wanted to talk quickly about why I would want an 85mm f1.2 lens before I get to the topic of today. And the main reason for this lens is to be able to do very, very shallow depth of field, obviously, but when shooting wildlife. Now, typically, this is a lens that would get used mostly for portraiture of people, but I actually plan to use it uh, and have used the older versions quite extensively when photographing penguins. So basically, any wildlife that I can approach and control the distance on you can take advantage of a lens like this to create really shallow depth of field where you have just the eye sharp. So anyway, that's why I picked up this lens. Uh, I had a few comments on social media about what does a wildlife photographer need with an 85 1.2. There you go. That's why I bought the lens. So let's come to the topic of today. And the topic of today is going to be shooting in cold weather, how to photograph in cold weather, how to prepare how I prepare specifically, some of the equipment that I use when I'm photographing in the cold, as well as my thoughts generally on cold weather shooting. I'm not sure whether I'm going to squeeze all of this into the one podcast because there's this is quite a large topic and there's quite a bit to cover. Uh, so I may end up splitting this across multiple podcasts. We'll just see how it goes today because I want to sort of do a really deep dive on this and go over all aspects of cold weather photography. And I guess before we get too much further, we should really define what cold weather photography is. And I think perhaps the easiest way to do that is to just put a temperature range against it and to say, well, anything under perhaps five degrees Celsius will consider to be cold weather photography. So anything from five degrees Celsius down to obviously minus 55 degrees Celsius, like I experienced this March in Ellesmere Island in winter. So if we take that as our... Um, our range, if you like, of, uh, of of weather that we're going to talk about, then there's quite a range there. In fact, there's a, a temperature range there of 60 degrees. So we actually need to talk about the different types of cold first, because preparing for shooting in the cold does depend on what sort of temperatures you're going to experience. And I think in many ways, it has been my experience that in some ways, shooting in temperatures below minus five degrees uh, when everything is frozen, is much, much easier than shooting in that range from plus five to minus, f- minus four, if you like, where you can often get wet. Uh, you know, if it's raining, um, things are very, very different in terms of, your, of how you deal with keeping gear dry, how you keep yourself dry and warm, as opposed to once you get into the really cold temperatures, say minus five and below, when everything is simply frozen. And if it is, if there is precipitation coming down, it's usually coming down as as snow. So that's the first thing I just wanted to talk about. I think we need to discuss equipment that's appropriate to the sort of temperatures we're going to be shooting in. So before we get into talking about things like brand, etc., I also just want to talk a little bit about um, the type of clothing, the two different types of clothing that you can really utilize when you're photographing in cold weather environments. And that is both active wear and non-active wear. 
And it's a very, very important differentiation because they're designed for very, very different things. So typically active wear is outdoor clothing that's designed to be very active in, obviously. So it's designed for hiking, it's designed for trail running, mountain biking, uh, walking, anything basically that's going to involve physical activity outside. So typically this sort of clothing is designed to be very light and it's also designed to breathe extremely well, uh, which means that if you do perspire, hopefully you're not going to be sweating too much inside uh, inside the jacket. And that's why people buy things like Gore-Tex jackets and E-Vent and all those other materials that are designed to both be water resistant, but also to breathe reasonably well, because they're really, those fabrics are really ideal for active wear. And active wear can work for cold weather photography, but again, it really depends on the sort of photography that you're going to be doing. So if you're photographing, for example, in, I don't know, let's say the highlands of Iceland in late, uh, let's say late autumn, you could be experiencing temperatures just hovering around sort of five degrees and below, and you might be doing quite a lot of hiking, in which case active wear might be a really good choice uh, because you're going to want something that you're not going to sweat too much in. You want something that's going to be fairly light if you're hiking up mountains and carrying tripods and camera gear and filters and all that sort of stuff. So it's very important to understand the sort of photography that you're going to be doing and the environment you're going to be doing it in, and then to think about the temperature that you're going to be photographing in when you're deciding what sort of clothing is going to be better for what you're going to do, whether it's active wear or non-active wear. Now, a alternate to this would be to talk about uh, a lot of the sort of photography I do where I'm often sitting in hides where I'm not active and I'm stationary for very, very long periods of time. Now, in situations like that, you want a very, very different type of clothing. You don't need clothing that breathes particularly well. In fact, you really want to trap heat. Uh, and the colder the environment you work, you're working in, the more heat you actually want to trap around your body because you're not actually generating heat through physical exertion or physical movement. The only heat you're generating is that, that heat that your body naturally generates from just existing uh, in a live state. So it's very important to understand what sort of photography you're going to be doing. And that's why I send out a very, very detailed recommended packing list for each expedition and workshop that I do to participants so they know what to expect whether they are going to be needing active wear, non-active wear, what sort of temperature ranges they're going to be working in so that you can properly plan and, and prepare your clothing. There, there is a tendency in, certainly in the photographic circles that I move in, in, in that workshop, international workshop uh, circles, for there to be real trends with brands. Um, and some photographers will just buy a particular brand of clothing because that's what they see other people wearing and it's what everyone seems to be wearing who's on that trip without actually stopping to think, is that actually the best thing for the job? I remember some years ago now, there was a real trend for Arcteryx uh, jackets on, and I was seeing an awful lot of them on Polar Expeditions. Now, Arcteryx is a fantastic brand and it is one of the most respected mountaineering brands out there. I think it's a, it's a Canadian brand, make fantastic clothing, but it is active wear clothing. And it's not necessarily the best thing to be using if you're sitting in a Zodiac uh, in Antarctica for a long period of time. So that again, that's just by way of example, when sometimes what can seem to be the right clothing is definitely not the right sort of clothing. So it does take a little bit of thought and consideration. Um, for me, when I'm preparing for an expedition, I go through that same thought process in my head. You know, what sort of photography am I going to be doing? Am I going to be active? Am I not going to be active? Uh, how cold is it actually going to be? Before I start to think about how I'm going to prepare my clothing. The way I like to do it, regardless, is to layer my clothing. 
So I have tried over the years just about, I think, every single technical fabric uh, on the market, a lot of uh, synthetic fabrics and a lot of natural fabrics as well. And what I've found over the years is that my actual favorite preferred fabric is wool. Uh, I went both against my skin and as a, a second or third layer. I just find it both breathes well for me. Uh, it stays, keeps me very, very warm and it's very, very comfortable. I find I don't sweat in it as well, which is very, very important too, either whether I'm active or not, or not active. So I like to layer my clothing, starting with a base layer of merino wool. Um, and I am currently using a lot of icebreaker merino wool. It's fantastic, uh, fantastic base layers. They come in a variety of weights, uh, depending on, again, how warm you want it to be. But merino uh, wool, long johns, merino wool top, long sleeves, is a fantastic way to start your layering system when you're shooting in the cold. And from there, you can build up layers of clothing depending on how cold the environment is you're going into. So if I was going on a hiking workshop, for example, in the highlands of Iceland in late uh, autumn, I would then layer it with a mid-layer jacket or a jumper. I usually prefer a jumper, so a, th a nice heavy woolen, woolen jumper. And then over the top of that, I would use some sort of Gore-Tex shell uh, or waterproof shell that breathes extremely well. That means I'm going to be able to hike for some distance. I'm not going to sweat, uh, or if I do sweat, the Gore-Tex is going to breathe reasonably well. Certainly the wool underneath, excuse me, is also going to breathe extremely well. And that's really the key to staying comfortable. When you sweat in the cold, that's when you can actually get into real trouble. And the colder it is, the more you sweat, the more trouble you're actually going to be in because sweat will freeze against your body and make you very cold, which is why a lot of very, very good fabrics, wool does this extremely well, will actually wick away moisture from your body, meaning it will actually pull it up through the fabric and onto the outside of the fabric against your skin. And that keeps the moisture off your skin and just keeps you from getting cold in the field. So wool, I find, does this extraordinarily well. Other, other synthetic fabrics also do it quite well, depending on the fabric. Perhaps we'll talk about the fabrics at a later date, um, what the different options are out there in the marketplace for for wicking away moisture from the skin. But it's a very important point. You don't want to sweat, uh, irrespective of whether you're being active or not active. Uh, it's a good idea to walk at a pace when you're working in cold weather environments that keeps you from sweating. So typically I will move slower than I would than if I was just walking down the street because I don't want to start to sweat. I mean, when I was in Ellesmere Island in March earlier this year, in working in temperatures around minus 40, minus 50 degrees Celsius, even colder actually, we had a few days of minus 55. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I was very, very careful as I was moving around not to physically exert myself to the point where I began to sweat because I didn't want that sweat to then freeze against my body because that's what makes you super, super cold. So just coming back to the issue of active wear versus non-active wear. Now, if I was going to be going into the hide to photograph in Finland in autumn, uh, I would expect similar sort of temperatures to what I might see in the highlands of Iceland in autumn, meaning I'm probably going to have temperatures that are going to be hovering around five degrees, perhaps dropping as low as zero. We might get some precipitation uh, or even possibly even some snow, but I'm going to be sitting still for many, many hours sitting in a hide that may or may not be heated. So I would go again with a very a base layer of merino wool and layer again with a woolen jumper and perhaps insulated pants, then I would use a much, much warmer jacket that doesn't breathe very well over the top of that woolen jumper. So typically either a big down jacket uh, or, or one of my um, other synthetic jackets, something that's going to really help me trap body warmth uh, because I'm going to be sitting still and not generating much warmth. So I will very much 
base my clothing on the activity that I'm going to be doing when I'm photographing. So I think that's the key factor. I don't really want to talk too much about individual brands. Um, I, I use a lot of different brands of clothing. I own probably not less than a dozen different uh, waterproof shells in terms of your jackets and pants. And then I have many, many different insulated jackets as well, right up to uh, my really heavy-duty Fjallraven uh, Polar One Parker, which is really designed when it gets extremely cold for temperatures sort of minus 20 and below. So I very much will pick uh, the clothing to suit what I'm going to do. There really isn't a do-it-all solution uh, that's going to work in every single environment. There's certainly jackets that you can buy that will work extremely well in a very, very wide range of temperatures. But you, if you're going to be dealing in the very extreme cold, you really need to be have clothing that's specific to working in that sort of extreme environment. So I think that's the first thing I really wanted to cover off in shooting in the cold. The first one, as I said, to keep in mind is what temperature range are you going to be working in uh, so that you can base your clothing accordingly and then talking about what sort of activity you're going to be doing when you're photographing so you can also base your clothing um, appropriately, appropriate to the activity that you're going to be doing. Those are the key things to think about first when I'm, when I'm heading out into the cold. Um, when shooting from ships, in the cold, things are a little bit easier, of course, because if you're shooting in Greenland in late September, early October, as I will be later this year, I know temperatures are going to be roughly between plus three degrees and, say, minus 10. So I know um, what I need to pack for that. But more importantly, when you're shooting from the ship, it's very, very easy, of course, to duck back inside if you get a little cold and have a hot drink. So uh, again, the environment you're working in very much helps determine what you need to take with you and your level of comfort. Of course, being prepared is the key to this because if you're properly prepared when you're photographing from ship, for example, then you don't need to duck back inside uh, to warm up because you'll be warm enough outside with the clothing that you've got on. So that's the first, the first two things I really want to cover off about shooting in the cold. I think what we'll do um, is talk about all the clothing. I'm going to start from the feet up. Uh, and then we'll work our way into things like camera gear and dealing with camera gear in the cold. So Let's talk about the feet and let's talk about how I deal with keeping my feet warm once temperatures get really, really cold because dealing with your feet in temperatures from five degrees to say minus 15 is not very difficult. All you need is really thick pair of socks and uh, a nice good pair of warm shoes. But once temperatures get below that, uh, you need to put a little bit more care into preparing for your feet to make sure they don't get cold. So in very, very cold environments, and perhaps I should talk about how I handle my feet in Ellesmere Island uh, as an example of this. So in Ellesmere Island, when we had such extreme cold temperatures, what I did was I used battery heated socks uh, against my skin as like my first layer that I would put on. I've tried a number of different brands of battery heated socks over the years, and there's many, many Google reviews for the different models out there. So you can certainly go and have a look at, look at them. I have found um, after experimentation that I prefer the Lens brand, which is L-E-N-Z, if you want to go and look those up. They're an Austrian company. They make fantastic uh, heated gear, both gloves and, and um, socks. And I find that the socks can actually be controlled from the, an app on your phone. And they can actually be uh, set on an interval. So meaning that they'll warm for five minutes and they'll turn off for five minutes. Warm for five minutes, turn off for five minutes. And you can set that interval to be whatever you like. And you can set the warmth level to be whatever you like. And in this way, you can really conserve the batteries that go with those socks. So I found that in, <clears throat> excuse me, in Ellesmere Island, 
I was actually able to get a full day, you know, more than eight hours out of a pair of batteries in those socks. And that really helped keep my feet warm uh, when I was photographing in such extreme cold. And then over the top of those battery heated socks, I would wear a very, very thick pair of wool socks. Um, it's very important that your socks, just like your boots, are not too tight. You don't want to constrict blood flow in your foot. You need to make sure the socks are just comfortably firm and no firmer than that so that blood's not being constricted and that you can get proper flow of blood in and out of your foot. Um, shoes that are too loose or shoes or boots that are too tight are also a really, really big problem because they'll do the same thing. You need to trap a small volume of air inside your boot that your foot can then warm. So the boots that I use in extreme cold are made by a company called Baffin. Uh, they're the, um, I think they're called Arctic Sport. Uh, they're their coldest rated boot. They actually rate them to, I think, minus 100 degrees Fahrenheit or something stupid like that. But it doesn't matter. I'm sure no one's ever used them in temperatures that cold. But they certainly kept my feet warm in Ellesmere Island in minus 50 degrees using the, both the battery heated socks and the woolen socks uh, underneath the boot. And that's a very, very uh, well designed boot. It has a a lot of insulation in it. It's not particularly heavy, uh, but it's extremely comfortable for many, many hours at a time. And I lived in those boots when, for my entire time I was in Ellesmere Island. One of the keys to actually keeping your feet warm when you've been out all day uh, you know, in the field like I was in Ellesmere Island, keeping my feet warm in these boots, is at the end of the day when you finish and you crawl into your tent, you must pull the boot apart, pull the liner out of the boot, and you must dry the boot completely. Because the boot actually traps so much air and it traps it so well, your foot will actually sweat inside the boot, and you can actually end up quite damp at the end of the day inside your boot. And if you don't dry that boot out, that dampness will just freeze your foot the following day. And I found this out through really bitterly difficult experience on my first day in Ellesmere. I was miserable on the second day with my feet because I hadn't dried my boots out properly. And that sweat that was in the boot froze, froze against my foot and my foot was cold all day, both my feet actually. So at the end of the day, you have to take a few moments, pull the boots apart, pull the liners out, get them properly dry and then reassemble them again, ready for the next day. And I found that combination worked extremely well for me of the heated sock, then the woolen sock and then the dry boot every day. And what I would do is I would change my socks every single day for the same reason, because I want fresh dry socks every single day so that I could keep my feet clean, healthy and, and warm when I'm out in the field. Now, if I'm working in temperatures that are not quite so extreme, so let's say I would wear something like my Baffin Arctic Sport boot in anything from about minus 10 and below. But if I'm in temperatures that sort of are plus five to minus 10, I'll usually use my Arctic Sport muck boots. And those are like a rubber Wellington boot that are quite heavily insulated as well. They're also waterproof. So they're absolutely fantastic if you're doing work on zodiacs or zodiac landings, or you're working in any sort of environment where you might be walking through puddles or water or rivers. <coughs> Excuse me, uh, still can't shake this cough. So the Arctic Sport boot is usually my boot of choice if I'm doing an expedition to Antarctica, uh, unless it's an Emperor Penguin trip, in which case I'll take my Baffins. Or if I'm doing something in the Arctic in summer, I'll take my Arctic Sport muck boots. If I'm doing something in the Arctic in winter, I will take my Baffin Extreme boots. So the type of boot, again, makes a, a, a big... I'll, I'll rephrase that. 
I'll say the environment you're going into has a big deciding factor on which boot you should actually take with you. Uh, but those are the two boots that I'm typically using when I'm shooting in cold weather. I find both do an actually absolutely outstanding job. Uh, the Arctic Sport Muck Boot isn't warm enough for temperatures below about minus 10. It just doesn't have enough insulation uh, either around the leg or in the sole. And that's where the Baffin boot really comes in. It has a very thick, heavily insulated sole because that's the way feet get cold. The cold comes up through the bottom of the shoe or boot and into your foot. So that's why you'll see inside a Baffin boot, when you take it apart, it actually even has a foil layer to reflect heat from your foot back up uh, and around your foot. And that actually makes a very, very big difference. So that's how I keep my feet warm when I'm photographing in the cold. And the feet are actually the most important aspect of my body for me personally. If my feet get cold, my whole body gets cold. So I'll go to a lot of trouble to make sure my feet are not going to be cold and are going to be very, very comfortable. Now there is one more thing you can do to help keep your feet warm when you're photographing in the cold, and that is to use chemical feet or hand warmers. And these are, they're a disposable item, which is perhaps not the best thing for, um, for the planet, but they do do a very good job of generating heat over a long period of time. The only thing I would say with to chemical hand and feet warmers to be aware of is that they do have an expiry date. And it's been my experience that once expired, they tend to be quite erratic in how long they heat for. I've had some heat warmers that have just been on fire um, and then they've gone dead very, very quickly. Uh, so I find it's very important to make sure they haven't expired uh, before you fire them up. And they only take a few minutes to get going. Um, and we did use them also extensively in Ellesmere Island this year. I didn't need to use them in my in my boots because I was wearing battery-heated socks, but uh, I certainly did use them in my gloves. And we'll talk about gloves, I think, in a separate podcast um, when we talk about the rest of the clothing as well because, as I said, there's quite a lot to cover off with, 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 uh, with clothing. So I think for today, we might actually just leave it there, having just covered the very start of clothing, having gone over active wear versus non-active wear versus uh, the sort of environment you're going to be shooting in and then talking about the the base layers of clothing followed by how I look after my feet in the cold. So I think in the next part of this podcast, we will talk more about pants and jackets and um, the rest of clothing and the head and gloves as well. Gloves are obviously one of the key most important points for photographers because we need to maintain a level of dexterity in our fingers when we're photographing, uh, as well as keep our fingers warm. That's quite the balancing act. So that'll be another podcast. So we'll leave it for today. I am going to be heading off to uh, Svalbard in just a couple of days' time. So I will try and squeeze in one more podcast before I go. Hopefully I can do another episode on shooting in the cold. We might make this a bit of a, a bit of a series. As I said, there's an awful lot to cover here just in the clothing aspect of it before we even start to talk about things like camera equipment. But that's it for now. I'm Josh. It has been the 30th of June, 2022. I look forward to seeing you out in the field.